This episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a fine piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com, as well as on Facebook, where she periodically gives away pieces of pottery. Again, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. Bienvenue tout le monde et merci. You already know what I'm going to say, but if this is your first time tuning in, you can find us on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean and YouTube. You can also find us on sparkradionet.org, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Podchaser, and anywhere you find fine podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please show your support by telling others about us, hit that like button, Share, subscribe, and follow. Folks, I have to apologize. I kind of dropped the ball in the episode that was to be released on June 28th. No excuses, I just lost track of time and did not have an episode for you. And for that, I greatly apologize. But things are back on track and ready to go. So here in the Ottawa Valley, schools are done until September. Everyone has survived the new way of doing things. It'll be interesting to see what schools will look like come September. So far, they're telling us that students can either continue their education at home or physically attend class, with many restrictions, of course. For those returning to class, it will look a lot different than when they were last there. Let's hope it will be a smooth transition for everyone. Things are starting to open up here. I'm seeing a lot more traffic. It almost looks like things are getting back to normal. Until you take a closer look and you look at the lineups outside with people standing but six feet apart, businesses are only allowing a certain amount of people in at a time, and there are arrows on the floors to show you which way to go while shopping. And that seems to be confusing for everyone, yours truly <laughs> included. Um, it seems to be uh, such confusing con- confusion whenever you look at uh, everyone shopping and no one knows which aisle to go up or down. It's it's kind of funny. But um, it's also it also amuses me, too, when you go around the corner when you're at the grocery store and you come face-to-face with other people, they all jump back, laugh, and say they're sorry. Yes, we really do apologize for everything here. It's a Canadian thing. By the way, if we don't say sorry at least once a week, we lose our Canadian citizenship. I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. So there are more and more people wearing masks. Some places like Toronto are making it mandatory to wear masks while out in public. I'm sure it's just a matter of time till that will be the norm everywhere. But no matter what's going on where you are, I do hope you're all safe and doing well. 
This episode's shout-out goes to my listeners in Barbados. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in, and thank you so much for your support. In episode 38, my guest is no stranger to the Bigfoot community. His YouTube channel, Bigfoot Odyssey, is a must to check out. They aim to be the authoritative leader for Sasquatch information, media, and factual witness accounts from around the U.S. They strive to bring you credible eyewitness testimony, stories, and recreation. Their mission is simple, to expose, document, and educate the masses through the knowledge of credible eyewitnesses who have had sightings, encounters, or heard vocalizations of the elusive species we know as Sasquatch. He does not simply talk about Sasquatch on his channel. He's had an encounter himself that I am happy to say he shares with us. I introduce to you, host of Bigfoot Odyssey, Carrie Arnold. Hey, Cam. Hey, Carrie. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> doing Thanks great. Thanks, Cat. Hey, thanks for co-hosting, Cam. I really appreciate it. And uh, Carrie, as you know... Carrie, as you know, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while and um, finally made it happen. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Oh, thank you. And, uh, I, don't know if you have, I don't know if you have kids or not. but Yes, hey, I do. It's, it's Mother's Day. All right. Two teenagers with attitudes. Awesome. <laughs> but they're good kids, though. Yeah, so folks, um, as you already know, I pre-record my, my interviews, so today is Mother's Day, but by the time it gets released, Mother's Day would have been here and gone, so I uh, just want to say I hope you all had a nice Mother's Day. So, Bigfoot. Yep. Um, he seems... I was watching a show the other night, um, oh, uh, Survivor Man, Bigfoot. Or Sasquatch? Oh, jeepers, I can't remember what. Um, he has another uh, show on it. Right now, I'm so fascinated with, with Bigfoot. And it re I was telling my husband, it really, really irritates me because I want to know what he is. And I've been having a lot of conversations with a lot of people lately. So, um, Carrie, if we'll start with you and uh, tell us how you started your show. Give us the name of your show and uh, um, any... Uh, research that you might have done, uh, theories? Okay, yeah. Um, well, you know, as far as what they are, I think we all want to know that. Mm. I, I hardly think it's going to be answered without uh, without a type specimen, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, and and even then, you know, there it's been suggested that there are, there, there are many types of these creatures. I don't know how anybody would know that, but it has been suggested. So even if you do have a type specimen, you may just have a particular type. Um, you know, as far as we have, we have two channels. We have Bigfoot Odyssey, um, which we started uh, two years ago in March of 18. Uh, we do travel documentaries. We, that's what we started doing. Uh, we just travel the country and talk to people, usually researchers or people that have a lot of activity going on around. And we tell their whole story, show the showcase their best evidence, go to the places where they had encounters or happenings and just just try to tell, show people who these people are, kind of maybe lend a little bit more validity to, uh, to the happenings. Um, I cr created a, another channel um, that at Cam actually um, had been trying to get me to do for quite a while. Uh, it's, it's narration. It's kind of the same thing he does, only not quite as good. Uh, it's, it's called The Shutter. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The, sh the Shutter. 
S H U D D E R, you know, like you shudder to mm-hmm. think, uh, like a rabbit run over your grave, you know, yeah, <clears throat> that kind of thing. And it's, uh, it, it's just accounts kind of like, like, just like what cam does. Like I said, just not quite as good. And, and the, the visuals are a little different, try to do a little different, but finally did it after a while. And, you know, cam helped us out there, gave us a big boost on that. And, uh, <clears throat> so that's our other channel. That's the things that we do as far as getting into the subjects. You know, I had an encounter with one of these creatures, uh, 13 years ago, back when I deer hunted, uh, as a matter of fact, it was, uh, the last time I ever hunted period was, uh, the, the day that I saw that, well, it, well, I didn't just see it. He, he kind of encountered me is mm. the way I look at it. I was turkey hunting and, uh, some doing something different that I hadn't done. Of course I had, I was having experiences with these creatures the whole time I was out there. I was just too stupid to realize what was going on. You know, I was suspicious <clears throat> that, somebody was out there either messing around or messing with me at times, but you know, strange things had gone on out there the entire, for the whole seven years that I leased the property. And, um, I decided I was going to turkey hunt. And the first time I'd ever done it, I went and prepared a spot. I burned off a little area and I think the turkeys had been in it because it was about a week before I made it back. I think the turkeys had already been in there scratching around got up there and got set up and started calling and about two hours it took to about two hours to get a response and i was getting responses from young turkeys jakes you can can tell the difference because jake doesn't finish it you know they just kind of halfway gobble but i wasn't i didn't hear any big gobblers well the time by the time i get to where i can see them there's the whole flock is there there's at least 30 um coming all through the woods up this big game trail and i'm you know i was getting excited about that well all of a sudden they just all take off at one time they weren't even anywhere close to me Uh, and i didn't feel like they could see me you know being here of course turkey hunting you have to hide i mean don't even blink because they're because they're really really good vision have really good vision they're not very smart but they can see very well so they all took off in one direction and uh I was aggravated and upset and just about the time I couldn't hear them anymore. Um, I could hear what sounded like somebody walking through this bottom. I was kind of up on a hill, uh, and there's like a two tier drop off, uh, or that I couldn't see, you know, all the way down to the bottom. And it was somebody walking down there through the thicket. So I stood up and looked and then finally I could see this person that was a black guy which made perfect sense. The property I was on belonged to a a black family, the whole neighborhood, you know, their whole family lived up on the road. Uh, The old man I leased the property from, um, all his sons and daughters and nieces and nephews and grandkids, they all lived up there. So it's one of them, as far as I was concerned. Um, This is probably about 150 feet away, not very far, but all I could see was just about from the shoulders up. And it was kind of, wasn't moving fast, kind of lumbering like it was tired and I was studying on him and he would turn his head and look at me and then look back where he was going and he would turn his head and look at me and look back where he was going so I waved my hand at him like yeah I'm right here never once did it dawn on me how he knew where I was you know that I, I was just upset because my turkey hunt was over now and here's this amateur out here messing around in the woods on my lease 
whether even if it's their property or not, it's not the point. You know, it's how people get shot when you're not communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a big pine tree there. I just plopped my back against the tree and was holding my gun in a non-aggressive, you know, I'm not going to shoot at you position, kind of like, like you hold a boat paddle when you're paddling a boat <clears throat> with my hand around the butt of the gun. And uh, at some point, he had to walk away from me because the, ne- the next time I really got a good look at him, he's coming up a hill, up a shallow grade towards me. And I can see most of his body, and it looks like he's wearing camouflage. And that upset me even more because I thought, well, if this guy's wearing camouflage, then he's hunting. But the whole thing just screamed amateur to me. You know, this guy's out here. He has no idea what he's doing. He's lost. He's tired just by the way he was moving, you know, that uh, there was nothing to clue me in that this could have been anything else until he got to a point where I could see, see him pretty good. There was a, a little gap there, about three or four foot wide gap between two pine trees, uh, two little small pine trees. And he just, he reached his hand out to grab one of them. And I could see the skin on the inside of his arm. I could see the hair hanging down. I still didn't know what I was looking at, but I could, that's the, one of the first things I noticed that was, uh, I think the beginning of the the transition from somebody to something and he pulled himself up to that tree and just started letting me have it like uh it was i I think it was definitely a language because it was like it had form like he was using form and syntax and he was modulating words they weren't anything i could understand but the tone of it was so unnerving it was like uh like something you should hear in a in an exorcist the movie the exorcist or oh. it's like bat mass that That's type creepy. of low really deep uh you know just mm-hmm. a demonic sound and uh, i was completely freaked out at that point i just i remember feeling this i just called a true sinking feeling just dread like somebody just poured a bucket of cold water right over the top of my head and i'm just going down like Oh, it's that. But even then, you know, because I, I think there's such a level of disbelief in the moment that you don't want to believe it's that. So I'm trying to figure out how this is a person. So it was kind of like waffling back and forth between it being one of these creatures. The first thing I thought when I, I was, this is a Sasquatch. This has got to be a Sasquatch. It's got to be what everybody's been seeing in the woods and calling Bigfoot. But I'm still, I think I was still trying to convince myself that it wasn't. And trying to figure out how this could be somebody because it looks like it looked like a dude. Now, when he was straight faced, he really looked like a dude. But when he got angry uh, towards me, his face completely changed and his head was massive. His body was massive. He, I don't think he was tall. I don't think he was like eight foot or anything. He, he was a little taller than me because he was standing down that grade a little bit. And we were just about even. We were about 80 feet, 80 feet away, as far as you'd play a game of catch with somebody. So we were pretty close. And then I could see what I thought was camouflaged on his body was mud, or it looked like mud anyway, because it was all over one side, his right side, all up to his neck, on his shoulder, around underneath, like he had been rolling around or laying in the mud. And it just had sticks and leaves and all in his hair. I could see his skin, his dark gray skin underneath. He was black. His hair was jet black. His face was black, black, like shiny black, like leather shoes black. Uh, I couldn't see like whites of eyes or anything. And I don't remember seeing his eyes. He had uh, a 
very, very big mouth, very white teeth. Um, at one point there, he stuck his tongue out, uh, just peeled his lips back and stuck his tongue straight out. Was not like sticking it out at me, just like it was, he was tasting the air or something. And uh, I could see he had, a, he had a gap in his two front teeth, just like uh, Michael Strahan gap. He had uh, long canines, not super long, but longer than his other teeth on the bottom and the top. And uh, eventually he just, uh, well, the position I was in, I, I had reached, I wanted to reach my hand down and just get my hand on the grip of the shotgun I was, that I had. And uh, that's when he really got upset when he saw me move and do that. He got really upset and he, he huffed at me. He just gave me a, a you know, like, no, don't do, you know, you're not going to do that. Mm. Well, I felt it. It was like a, like a pressure wave, you know, like standing in front of a big speaker and it startled me. And that's when I, I ran about four steps off that tree out into the clearing there. And he had started rocking back and forth like really fast but he was still holding on to this pine tree. And I think that's the part that really scared me the most was because I could hear that tree whipping. I mean, he could have pulled it up and thrown it at me, but just, I think it was that sense of power that I got from him. And I'm pretty sure it was a male. I didn't see any genitals or anything. There was sage grass kind of up to his waist a little bit, sagebrush. <clears throat> but standing in that gap, I could see pretty clearly everything. Um, he stopped doing that once he, I guess, prepared himself to leave. It all happened pretty quick, probably about 30, 45 seconds the whole thing lasted. Um, he had took his hand off that tree and turned his body to the right and just cocked his head to the side, kind of like a dog. When you whistle at a dog funny, they just kind of cocked their head to the side. And he looked, was still looking at me, looking down his nose and across his left shoulder at me. And he took three or four big steps towards this game trail that was right there and then turned away from me and walked down the hill through the thickest stuff there. And I could still hear him, but I couldn't see him anymore. And then I think once he got close to the bottom is when he yelled. And it sounded like it didn't sound like the finding Bigfoot yell that you normally hear. It sounded like a baboon is the way I what I would compare it to just kind of like a like a build up, like a like wow you know but very very loud and extremely abrupt and i think the only reason he did that is because i was still standing there i hadn't you know i was frozen in place and then i think i stood there for a couple more minutes because i don't i guess i just didn't want to turn my back on him because i had to walk a half a mile out of there and there was there was a lot of a lot of bad feelings uh in that whole experience but i made it out of there and um as soon as I got home, that's what I started looking up was Bigfoot, trying to find everything I could find out about it. And, uh, you know, back then, 2007, that, you know, the podcast wasn't out yet. Um, it wasn't until Wes Germer came with Sasquatch Chronicles mm -hmm. that I really started getting uh, comfortable, um, comfortable enough to talk about what was going on. Because if you listen to that, a lot of the things that happen to people there are way worse than what happened to me. Make, actually makes what happened to me look anemic, but it really messed me up. It, it changed, uh, it changed the way I thought about things. I didn't go back in the woods anymore. I never hunted again. I sold everything I had 
that had anything to do with hunting. Um, but just kind of psychologically, I think I was, uh, I'm, I'm better now, but I was, I was afraid to go outside at night. I would lay in my bed and watch my closet door until I fell asleep. Just, you know, irrational things, you know, found normal person wouldn't do, but I, uh, I've had a lot of, I would say, anxiety issues. It's kind of like holding something in, you know, you're holding in this truth, this thing, you know, to be true. And it's finds it tends to find its way out either in, in my dreams, really, uh, I would, I would at least once a week, maybe twice a week, I would have this bad dream about it wasn't ever my encounter what happened it was but it was always about a bigfoot and and it was about to get me um and then i could just be driving down the road and look over into the woods didn't happen every time i think it was i think it depend on where i was and just get that washed over feeling and then it would just come on me it was something i couldn't control it just happened um i wasn't really a, don't think i was afraid i don't think i would have been afraid to go back in the woods but the one, the few times I did try to go back, it, something physical was affecting me. So uh, Linda, my wife, suggested that we do something with it. And uh, we talked about doing interviews with people on video. And uh, I said, well, if we're going to, you know, go to the trouble of driving, you know, a long distance and, and do interviews with people, we're going to do more than just interview and we're going to. We're going to tell the whole story. You know, that's why we called it Bigfoot Odyssey. You know, it wasn't because we traveled. It's it's this person's journey through the Bigfoot experience, you know, and we've we've had our own. I did my own on there, actually. And um, <coughs> that it just kind of turned into uh, evolved from there. And that's how we got into it. And it's uh, it's relatively um successful as far as a fringe topic or a bigfoot channel i think i think we get uh, a pretty good bit of attention i get a lot of calls and emails and i get to talk to a lot of people met a lot of a lot of good people met cam this way i, I contacted him but I, I wouldn't have done it otherwise you know it <clears throat> sure sounds. I, I hope that's good enough oh yeah it's perfect it sure sounds like <laughs> um what you encountered is a form of ptsd and a lot of people who have um, these encounters that I've spoken to or that I've heard about, um, the majority of people have the same reaction after they have an encounter like that. Well, I didn't like calling it PTSD. I, you know, I always yeah. associated that with war. And, I, you know, I don't want to yeah. disrespect anybody because I haven't been through war. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably some of the same effect. Yeah. Yeah, being uh, in a military community here, I've... Uh, met a lot of people who, who do have uh, PTSD or what they used to call shell shock or whatever you want to label it. Battle fatigue. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've uh, come to learn that it's not just war-related, it's just some kind of a trauma, uh, a mental trauma that you've had. And um, you're, it, it sounds to me like that creature was just giving you warnings, thankfully, that he didn't charge you or anything or throw throw big trees or rocks at you. Well, you know, I felt for a long time that the gun saved me, mm. that he knew what the, he knew what the gun yep. was because I immediately, I mean, even walking out of there, I think I can, I, I was starting to put things together that all these things that had been happening out there were these creatures. They had been there the whole time because I would hear 
strange things. I think they tried to run me out of there before then. Like I said, I was just too dumb to realize what was happening. Mm-hmm. But it happened mostly when I would use a call. Now, I, I had a, a Primo's can call. Cam knows what I'm talking about. You just you turn it over and it sounds like a dobly. It's just one of those cans, you know, you, you just turn it over <laughs> every time. Well, I would go to this one spot, and it had at least a dozen times I know this happened. I would get up in that tree, and I'd hit that can call, and almost immediately hear something just come crashing through the woods. And I'm well, obviously, I'm thinking big buck, you know, the whole time. Mm-hmm. You get buck fever, everything is a huge buck, when it's, especially <laughs> when it's like that. <clears throat> and it would come, I mean, cracking limbs, and it's, bucks don't do that. You know, they just don't. Even if they're mad, they're not going to do that. But I could hear this thing coming, and then it would get to the edge of uh, a thicket and just stop, and that would be it. I would hear nothing else. And, of course, in my mind then, before I knew really what was going on, it's a buck, and he just winded me. He's just beating me. This is the smartest buck I've run into. (laughs) I mean, I I I can tell you times that I have belly crawled with my rifle in front of me on my elbows, through the thickest stuff out there, trying to get into the position where I thought these things were bedded up, that I was going to catch them either coming into it or going out of it. That's how hard I hunted that place, trying to get wow. this quote unquote buck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and, but it was things like that that uh, came back to me. I would be camping out there and, and I heard an owl that I swear was somebody. And, and it was, it, I was so convinced it was somebody that there was only one person that really knew where I was. And that was the guy that had hooked me up with his grandfather for the property. And I thought it was him because it was literally like, who, who, you know, you could hear mm-hmm. the, the lungs, the lungs, the breath in this, in this hoot owl. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I can remember, I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but I did say something to the effect of, I can hear you. I know that's you. You might as well come on out, you know? But, you know, he never came out, and uh, I don't know what I thought about it. I do. I remember hearing a fox yip that didn't sound quite right. It sounded like somebody, you know, a person doing these things. So, the, and, and I would hear people talking. I would just hear like someone was walking down this uh, logging road. And, I mean, this is not a logging road that, it, that you can bring a vehicle down. It was bad. It was an old logging road. It had big ruts in it. There's just, you're not driving down it. And it'd be, it'd be hard to get a four-wheeler down. <clears throat> but I'm thinking, okay, there's people walking down this logging road into here, and I can hear them talking. And I'd, so I'd yell at them. I could remember yelling at them at least once. You know, hey, you know, you're going to get shot. You know, to so, so, I mean, is that effect? Mm-hmm. But it, it was these creatures. They were out there. There's at least a family of them out there. They were out there the whole time. I heard kids playing down in the creek one day i was i was in the, my shooting house early and it's a long um food plot it's probably you know a 70 yard food plot i had right there well on past the food plot is a grade down to a creek bed probably about 200 yards and i could hear kids screaming at each other like playing and the house it's probably seven or 800 yards from that spot up to the house. Uh, probably a th- the house is a thousand yards from where I was. <clears throat> well, I can't shoot that way now. So I get out of my shooting house and I'm going to walk down there and tell them to get their butt back at the house. You know, mm-hmm. they don't need to be back here. Deer season. Uh, 
And uh, I get down there and there's nobody there. I don't even hear kids playing at the house anymore. And so I think, I think that was them. Then there was just so many things out there that I, that if I would have known had been even remotely aware that I would have recognized as being one of these creatures. And that's the main reason we do what we do is to push awareness. So there's not going to be that person out there. That's like mm-hmm. me. You know, you don't have to believe that Bigfoot exists. Just consider it a possibility when you hear that loud tree knock or when you hear that scream in the distance or you hear something that sounds like two legs walking through the woods. And then that way, if it comes out on you, maybe you won't be too traumatized or messed up from it. You can, you can prepare yourself for it a little bit, you know? Yeah, and to know that you're not the only one who have these experiences too. Right. Well, that was the main reason for me looking into the subject to begin with was to get some validation. And I got very little, you know, all there, all, all there was, was some, a lot of blurry pictures and uh, a few blogs with people's stories in them. Um, no one was really that people were doing the same thing I was doing. They weren't telling anybody what happened to them. Who's going to believe you? You're crazy. You yeah. didn't see that. I hunted my entire life, cat. I hunted for almost 30 years and I never saw a footprint, anything that I thought would be out of place. Um, I think I experienced them plenty, but when you're hunting, and you hear something in the bushes, you can't see what it is. You know, mm-hmm. you may hear something that, that, you know, take off running and think, oh, well, there was a deer out there. He made me. And it could be one of these creatures. We just, we just don't know, you know? <clears throat> so it's easy for someone to say, I've hunted my whole life. There ain't nothing like that out there because people don't understand the nature of this creature. And what I believe, what's obvious to me about this, this being is that they are predisposed to hiding. It's not taught. They just do it. I believe they hide not just from us. They hide from everything. They're even hiding in the dark. Um, They're just, they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be found out. Um, As far as, this is just what I believe. I don't know this, but it's what seems obvious to me. I think if it weren't that way, we'd have a lot better evidence of them than we do. So Agreed. If, if you if you think about this creature in that sense, then it's easy to understand how they've stayed away from us and stayed away from, you know, people walking into the woods. They just go away and and get away from you. They can see you coming a mile away. You know, I mean, obviously, they know you're coming. We are not <clears throat> well suited to the woods. We go in very clumsily. Yep. And as far as a hunter is concerned, we're very we're creatures of habit. We tend to do. We, you know, we have, we have a pattern. We park our truck in the same place. We walk in the same way. We go to the same shooting house, the same tree stand. We hunt the same area. We do the same things. It's not hard to hide from us. I mean, I could hide from somebody if I wanted to, if I had the the tools to do it. And these creatures seem to have all those plus. We may think that we're trying to be stealthy in the woods, but uh, you might as well be wearing a full suit of armor (laughs) because they're going to hear you. Sure. (laughs) And it's rare. It's rare for a hunter to go off trail, and uh, and and a lot of the hunters that do off go do go off trail are the ones that run into these creatures in the woods. So, Cat, you know, um, if you don't mind me interjecting here, uh, uh, that's what we do. We get these stories like Carrie just told. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundreds, hundreds of them. And I have to say, and I know Carrie. Uh, you know, I've never actually met him face to face but we talk all the time and his story is one of the most vivid stories that i've ever heard out of hundreds that i've seen Mm -hmm. 
And Kerry is a very, uh, he, it appears to me that he's always self-assessing. He's always rethinking things, running things through his mind, especially on this encounter. You can tell by the way he just narrated it. That, I mean, he knows everything. He remembers everything from top to bottom. And, but it's very rare that I ever get one where there's a, there's an aggressive posture on the animals in the animal's behavior. So I've always thought that about Kerry, that he's, he's a deep thinker. He thinks about these things and he's always, and, and he, one thing he told me recently was he's getting back out in the woods. Isn't that right, Kerry? Yeah. Oh, nice. Have you been out yet? I am. Uh, you know, I went out in the woods here by the house. Um, I was actually cleaning the back of my truck out here in the yard one day. And I heard the loudest knock I'd ever, it sounded like a baseball bat on a tree. And it was probably 150 yards into those woods. And it, I didn't even look up because I didn't want to acknowledge it. And I just kind of finished what I was doing really quick. And I went inside mm-hmm. and I went out there. I've been filming things for, uh, for the new channel just to have some, something visual to look at. Kind of like, I'm kind of copy cam a little bit. <laughs> I just try to get something out there. <laughs> I'm and, thinking uh, of doing and that the too. The whole time I was, well, the whole time I was out there, I was thinking, please, God, don't let me find a tree structure. I just, I don't want to find, don't let me see a footprint. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get some images. I only probably went a hundred yards in and, uh, and then came back out. And again, I don't, it's not like I'm afraid that something's going to come out and jump out and get me, but it's there. It's that, uh, yeah, I know it's possible. I know that one of these things could be right there on the other side of the bushes looking at me and the possibility for them to come out is just, it's there. So having putting myself in that vulnerable position, of course I have my, my Glock 45 on my, on my side <laughs> when I was in there and I have my hatchet too, my little, uh, I got a, a Talon or I think it's called a reaper. That's what it's called. Oh, yep. <clears throat> hatchet. Yeah. I had that with me too. So I, I felt like I was at least, um, had the illusion of safety at that point. But I didn't stay long. I just, I did some filming and, and came back in, but we'll, Linda and I will go into the woods when we film with people for the show, but I'm out there with other people and I have a particular focus. So it's a little bit different. I'll still get a little unnerved and Linda, she'll just run off. She'll go and off in the woods and do whatever. And I just, I look around, <laughs> she's a hundred yards away and you know, like, we we heard we heard some knocks one day and she's went towards them and I'm <gasps> I'm just like what are you doing yeah. <laughs> I want to see yeah okay <laughs> no you don't <laughs> get back over here <clears throat> now Cam I know um, you've never had an encounter yourself um, and you're out in the woods right. often with your dogs but maybe it's kind of like Carrie have you ever heard anything in in your travels in the woods that maybe you did hear them, but you, you didn't realize you thought maybe it was something else. No, hmm. nothing. Absolutely nothing. I've never seen, and I've been out with a uh, look, I'm not a down and dirty researcher. I'm not one of these tough guys that gets out in the woods and tracks them. I know guys like that, mm-hmm. but, um, but there's a 500 acre track of woods behind me that I have permission to do pretty much anything I want to do on unless it's hunting season, they hunt it. Mm-hmm. But I've been all back there and all my life I'm from the city, but I was spent a lot of time. We camped when I was a kid and my 
father and my uncles and my grandfathers, they all hunted. And so I've always been exposed to the woods. I've never seen or heard one thing, nothing. And I, when I got interested in this, I started looking, especially on this land that I ride my bike and walk my dogs and we go back there and fish. And, you know, it's about a, if you take the longest route, it's probably about a mile and a half walk and it's beautiful and it's peaceful. And I rarely get to go by myself. But when I first got into this topic, Carrie, Carrie is into this topic because he had an encounter Mm -hmm. I'm in this, I'm interested in this topic because I love his story and his, his candid, genuine demeanor about him. And so many people like him. Um, and the question that keeps running through my head through all of this is what if it's true? I mean, Mm -hmm. Carrie knows it's true and all the people that send me encounters know it's true and I believe it's true, but I, I don't have. I don't have perspective on it. I don't have scale on the subject, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so, but to answer your question, no, I've never seen, I've even been out again with researchers. They'll go out and start calling. Like we were out at one in the morning riding roads and they would stop and there was eight or 10 of us. We'd all pile out of the car and they'd start doing these Bigfoot calls and things like that. And, and I, I never heard it. They were hearing it, but but I never heard anything. And so, and I was the only one. I don't know if I'm hard of hearing or what, but <laughs> I, and I have lost some hearing. I, I work in a real heavy, uh, loud industry. I mm-hmm. did for years in the shop, and I probably lost some hearing. But no, I don't. But I I, I just have a huge affection for the people that come forward and tell these stories. I mean, Carrie's a real smart guy. He's not, uh, you know, he's successful in his businesses. He's, Carrie is really good at pulling people together and putting teams together to get things accomplished. And I've always admired that about him. There's no reason for someone like Carrie Arnold to come forward with this fantastic story about encountering a Bigfoot on a turkey hunt unless it's true there's there's nothing but a downside to it if that makes sense and so it it gives me this huge affection for these people because there there's been something has happened in their life and they drop everything and, and lose all abandon for their reputation and their livelihood in some cases to come forward and tell these stories. And I just think it's, uh, and some of the stories are fantastic. I mean, it's just, and I'm just eat up with it. I'm eat up with it. And the more I get, the more I enjoy doing this. And maybe someday I'll have an encounter. I I don't know. We'll see. I have a lot of people say, well, come on over here. We got them right in the backyard. You know, there's people. There's people out there who's who see them like I walk out my back door and see squirrels in the woods. You know, yeah. it's a real common, uh, it's a real common bit of wildlife you see, at least where I live, and uh, they see them like you see squirrel, like I would see squirrels. But, and I've had people say that they're they see things in my videos and oh, a Bigfoot did that or that's a, you've got them, you've got them there, and I'm like, no, I don't think I do. I really don't think I do. And so, 
We get that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all that to say, no, I've never had an encounter and, uh, I would really like to have one. I, I really would. And, you know, listening to Carrie, uh, talk about, you know, it, it shut down a few things that he loved to do in his life, but you can almost equate it to something like, you know, um, about four or five years ago, I, I saw some videos on kayak fishing, and I thought that looked like the coolest thing in the world. And so I spent about 2500 bucks on a uh, kayak, and we've got a lot of small lakes around here that are perfect for that. And I took that kayak out one day, and I pat, and this is I was way back in the in nowhere land, and there's a pond back there I had seen for years and years on satellite that I wanted to get back there and fish. And I got back in there and we I caught some good fish. I was all by myself. And there's a beaver hut at the end of the lake. Uh, just it's a huge beaver hut. It's been there, probably been there for years and years. And I paddled up to it. And I I didn't I, I got you know your momentum takes you. It just keeps taking you forward. And I'm paddling the kayak with pedals it's not a i had a paddle but and i'm fishing the whole time well the end of my kayak goes up and bumps into this beaver hut and about six or eight cotton mouse fall out of that beaver hut into the water and they're swimming all around the the uh the kayak and you know if you're in a kayak you're real low to water so i start man it it's got a little prop uh, underneath that these pedals work and i had that thing going backwards and i swear i was throwing a rooster tail out the front of the kayak trying to back <laughs> out of there and i got out of there and i and i fished on my way back picked up two or three more fish but when i got to the bank i pulled up to the bank and there were two more cotton heads sitting there or cotton mouths sitting there right at the bank and they did not move and I couldn't get out of my boat until they moved. And it took about 10 or 15 minutes. I was slapping water at them, trying to get them to move, just making them mad. But all that to say, I loaded that kayak up, came back that night, took a picture of it, put it on Craigslist and it was gone the next week. So you have these events in your life that put you in a position to where you say, I- I'm just not going to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this event, kind of turned me off on it and i have fished some of the nastiest swampy oxbow lakes uh, sloughs anything you rivers you can think of and i've encountered cottonmouths all my life i know i know how they behave and i know what they do but for some reason that day i thought i'm not gonna fight these snakes down this low to the water now i still fish but i'm up in a boat you know i'm about two or three feet above them I'm not right there at water level with them. <laughs> but the point is, is that something happens and you just, you just stop doing that because, and that's what's happened to Carrie, I think. Now, his ordeal is a lot more traumatic than watching four or five cottonmouths drop out of a beaver hut. But it's pretty much the same principle. You just lose interest in it. And what's cool about it, he again, I said he's a self-assessing, deep-thinking kind of a guy. And from what I understand, he, he could tell you more about it, but he's getting back in the woods. He's he's not necessarily overcoming a fear. It's just that part of his life just kind of shut down that day. And now it's starting to kind of come back, and I just think that's pretty cool. 
Well, I can tell you <clears throat> it's, it's all about perspective um, because it's only a tragedy if you treat it like it's a tragedy. If it's only tragic that I didn't go back in the woods all that time, if, is, if I treated it that way, and I did because I felt sorry for myself. You know, why was this happening to me? And it took me a long time to figure out, looking into this creature, that this wasn't just some lightning strike thing that happened. You know, there was a reason it happened. And, and I, this is my theory. I believe this wholeheartedly. Uh, no one will ever be able to convince me otherwise just because of what I've learned about the behavior of this creature. If anybody else would have done the same exact thing I did that day, I don't think anything would have happened. But I think they knew who I was. They had been watching me for seven years. We had interacted, even though I didn't know it. I think they might have thought I knew they were there anyway. And then when I did something different, I crossed the line. I was hunting past deer season now. I'm hunting in a different area. I burned off part of their habitat. You know, I'm hunting a different animal. Plus, I had so many coming toward me. I think that all those things together were a trigger. And, it, and because he knew who I was, he was coming to tell me that I was doing wrong. Because they had to, they had to know and anticipate that I was going to be coming back and doing these things again and again and again because of what I had done previously. You know, I believe they have that type of ability to work things out and and process and 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 plan, you know, so to speak, and and have uh, be self-aware, you know, aware of themselves. And I believe that's why we don't run into their bodies in the woods is because they are like that. They're so aware of themselves and so predisposed to hiding and not being found out. They're not going to leave one of their dead around for us to find. They're going to hide it and do something with it. You know, that's just how I feel about it. But I do believe that it, this, this wasn't just an out of the blue thing that happened. It was something that worked up to that point and they let me know it. So that, that's the only, that's the only thing that makes me feel good about the whole thing anyway. You know, because this doesn't happen to a lot of people. You know, I believe there has to be either a complete accident or a special circumstance. For one to come to you, they have to, I believe they have to know you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, I do you, when you said that it, um, how, how did you word it? Uh, when it yelled at you or, roar, or roared or whatever, and you said you had all this fear. So many people talk about infrasound with these creatures. Do you think it was something like that? Or it was just, just plain fear yeah. because you heard them? No, it was just powerful. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like uh, <clears throat> a big set of lungs. I call it a huff because it wasn't, it wasn't overly loud, but it was so, it was so powerful. I guess we were close enough that when he did it and it was so abrupt and quick and he, you know, lunged forward toward me when he did it, he was just like throwing this ball of sound at me, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and it hit, it hit and I felt it. I, I think I felt it. This is just how I remember this. You know, it's been 13 years and I've thought yeah. about it. There's hardly a day that's gone by mm -hmm. that I haven't thought about the whole thing. Um, I even used to, I used to sit and close my eyes. I would look at my watch and I would close my eyes and I would go through the time it took from when I saw him the first time. So he walked around, got to the tree, had our interactions with each other and walked away. And it's right at one minute. Hmm. So it's pretty fast. The yeah. whole thing. I don't think he was at that tree longer than 30 seconds. If that long, maybe 20 seconds that he was actually <laughs> at that tree confronting me. So it all, it all happened pretty quick. Um, but 
I, I just, I've thought about it so much and just wanting to get answers. And, and I'm pretty comfortable now believing that the only, the reason it happened was because they knew who I was and I was doing, I was behaving differently. Um, and they were just letting me know it. I don't know if they intended on running me out for good, even though that was the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if I would have gone back that it would have just gone back to normal the way it was because I've been back out there. I went, it took me 10 years, but I went back to film and I had to go twice because the first time I went with six people and, um, I just, I, I tried to tell the story and everything that happened while I was there, but I was so, I was, I was so full. I, I was full of oxygen <laughs> as I could put it. Cause I was, <laughs> Linda was with me and I was just, I was breathing so heavy. And, uh, and she was, she was holding my hand and calming me down. And I, I thought I would be fine until I got out there to the spot. And the second time we went back and I had my gun with me and I had Scott and we filmed, I was able to tell the story, but I still left some things out because, and I, and I was watching when I watched the thing back and I kept looking back behind me the whole time. I was like, what am I looking for? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. This looks ridiculous. So I had to edit the crap out of it. And then, and then I had to sit down in the house and tell parts of the story that I missed. So it kind of overlaps. If you watch the whole thing, it kind of, the story overlaps from, from the, uh, the house inside interview until, you know, being in the field and showing, you know, what happened. But I, I do believe that uh, that's the only reason that any of it happened is because they knew who I was. They'd been watching me for seven years and I was a fixture out there. And you changed your routine and they're like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. And I, no. I thought, you know, maybe because I had so many turkeys coming into me, there were no big gobblers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a turkey hunter, the gobblers are going to come in first. Well, there weren't any. So the rest of them just came in the way I looked at it. And I wonder why there were no big gobblers. Maybe they eat those, you know, maybe they, if, you know, from what we know about this creature and their abilities, you know, a, a turkey on the roost would be pretty easy pickings, I think, you know, and you silhouette one, see a big one up there and just reach up there and grab it, you know? Yeah. So that's just a theory. I, that's, there's a reason that they weren't out there, but could he have thought I was going to take all of them, you know, or, or more than one or, if I was going to, you know, mess with, mess with their food source any more than I already was, I had yeah. murdered a lot of deer out there. I hate to say the word murder <laughs> like that, but I took a lot of deer out of there and they never did anything, you know, but I also let a lot of deer walk, you know, I culled the herd. Um, so why they did it with the turkeys, I don't know. I just, I think it was, uh, they had enough. There was a lot, there was a line of tolerance there and, and I think I crossed it with them. Now, you said that uh, it wasn't as tall as what a lot of people say their encounters are. So, Because some people say they could be like 10 feet tall. Um, do you think that was perhaps a younger one? Or do you think it's just a different species from what other people are, are explaining? No, I think he was a young guy, but I still think he was full grown. You know, he was probably close to seven foot. He might have been between six foot nine and seven foot tall. It was hard to tell, mm-hmm. but had really long arms. His forearms were bigger than his bicep. It was very out of proportion, oh, wow. the whole thing. And his hair was black, His, but, well, you know, he, he was not groomed by any stretch. He was very mattered up and like he'd been rolling around in the mud and on the ground for a long time. Really short hair on his head, like a gorilla, huh. you know, had the, had the apex. His head looked like a football and it was huge. But his face looked like a person. It looked like a dude. I mean, exaggerated features, of course, hmm. but 
and then when he got upset, you know, the face changed. I, I can see that face now. And when I close my eyes and think about it, he's not 80 feet away. He's right there. And I see mm. that face and I, I, can, I, I can talk myself into or think myself into getting that feeling. And because uh, I've done it several times. I, I love this story um, so much. I've heard I've heard a lot of them, not as many as uh, you and Cam, but yeah. And, and I still believe that you're very lucky that uh, I still firmly believe he was warning you, like you said, too. Oh, Absolutely. Because it could have gone so fast. Me. Yeah, I, th I thought he wanted to kill me. There were there was moments, and I thought that these were going to be my last moments. I was at least going to be fighting him all the way out. That here's this thing, but it was almost almost instantly walking out because I didn't run. I was walking really fast, and I had, I had my I had a Benelli three and a half inch twelve gauge automatic. I loved that. It was all black, all synthetic, <clears throat> but I only I had the plug in it. It's only had three shots, but I had a pocket full and I have high brass number four turkey shot. That's not anything to sneeze at. I think I could have killed him if he had got close enough. I was just afraid that that was going to be the case, that he was going to come at me and I was going to have to shoot him. Mm -hmm. And and that was that was some thought in there of how I was going to shoot him. Where was I going to shoot him in the face, in the head? I mean, it's an automatic. I can get three shots off pretty quick and then mm -hmm. re reload while I'm running. But I would walk. I don't remember a lot of the walkouts, but I remember walking 50 or 60 feet and stopping and stop and wait and listen to see if anything was following me because, you know, a big cat will follow you through the woods. And if you stop, you, you can hear them take a few extra steps if you stop real quick. So I know I did that on the way out. And there was this one area that I always got creeped out in, not always, but if I ever got creeped out, it was in this one area. And something was telling me the whole time that this is they're they're going to be right here waiting for you, or he's going to be right here waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think even before then, I thought there was more than one, that there were several of them. But when I got to the point where the road turns and goes up a hill, and there's my four wheeler sitting there, uh, 200 feet away, and I start up this hill, and I can see my four wheeler, and you're talking about, you know, a view of heaven from a seat in hell. <laughs> yeah. And I stopped and I turned around and as soon as I turned around, I heard very distinctive tree break. It was about 60 or 70 yards behind me, off in the thickest stuff out there. And it was just that crackle pop, that cow, you know, that loud rifle shot. That's when I ran. I ran, I got on my four wheeler and I think that was the, the scaredest point right there. The most terrifying part of the whole thing was getting on my four wheeler because I couldn't pull forward. The way I was parked, I had to back up toward this thing, you know, and the whole time I'm running in my mind, he's coming behind me. So now I can get on my floor and I got to back up toward this thing just to get out of there. So I think that was, you know, I made it all this way and now he's got me. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it might've crossed my mind uh, already that people see these things all the time. They just don't live to tell about it, you know? And are the ones that do live to tell about it, you know, see them from a distance in their car or whatever. I mean, I, Bigfoot was not even remotely on my radar. If yeah, I, I don't even I don't even remember if I thought I believed they existed. Maybe maybe if I maybe if they did, they were somewhere else. I, you know, I might have thought it was possible, but I had seen Patterson Gimlin. I had seen mm -hmm. In Search of. You know, it just none of it ever interested me. And uh, but it wasn't until I had this experience that I even 
was remotely interested in the subject. And I think that's the case with a lot of people. I think it's rare to find someone, especially like Cam, that, you know, you have people that are in it for interest, yes, but to do something noteworthy um, in the subject, it, I think is a rarity. Uh, and I think that's, that's what Cam, of course you have to have a person that's creative like, like Cam is, that's probably read his entire life. And I think that seems to be the case too. People that grow up reading a lot. My mother made me read. Thank God she did. <laughs> and then you end up having that, uh, that, that create a creative sense about you that you can, um, you can visualize what you want done and then see how to do it and then take action to do it. Um, there's just, I think there's few people out there that can do that, that have the interest to do it in this subject. Exactly. Like you said, especially when they haven't had any encounters themselves. Right. But Cam, maybe you have, uh, maybe uh, you, you have encountered them and you just didn't realize. Do you have any in your area or any, any sightings in your area at all? Yeah, I live uh, right on the border of the Holly Springs National Forest. And that, mm -hmm. that whole area, National Forest area, is supposed to be a Bigfoot hotspot. The there's been several stories come out of there, and I've done a couple on my channel, not as many as I thought I would do, because when I thought when people figured out where I lived that those stories would come flooding in, but I've only done a couple. And, you know, I don't I don't think I've I, – I could have been close to one. Heck, there could have been one standing right behind me at some point in my life. But I just <laughs> – you know, I could say, I, I guess I could make up some stuff and say, oh, see, I've seen tree breaks, or, you know, all these things that people mm -hmm. see. But I've, I've, I've seen a couple of tree twists behind me here that I wonder how a tree, the tree didn't grow that way. Um, some of them do, but this, this particular one didn't. So, you know, that might be a possibility, but I mean, we're talking to a guy here who's actually been face to face with one and I'm talking about a tree twist. It's just <laughs> kind of boring, but I would love to see a track. That's what I would love to see. And, uh, if I ever saw a track back here, uh, no, nobody's going to be walking back there, especially in the wintertime barefooted. And mm. So, you know, if I see something like that, I'll, I'll be real excited. I'll be taking pictures and all those things. But no, I just don't have, uh, I guess I just don't have the mojo. <laughs> yeah, some, like you said, seem to have them as soon as they step foot out of their house. And um, others like you and I, I might have had an encounter one time during a paranormal investigation out in the wild, but um, um, I've never actually seen it. So, but... Um, yeah, Carrie. If you I don't think, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't. I don't think they're very prone to making themselves known just no. on a whim. Um, I, I think if if you may catch one holler or scream in the distance, but even then, you're not sure it's one of these creatures, you know. And who mm -hmm. knows what else is out there that we don't know about that's hiding from us, you know. So I think, I think you have. I think most people that go looking for this creature tend to find what they're looking for whether it's actual Bigfoot evidence or not, they're going to call it that because that's what they're looking for. Because they want to you know, believe they, so, and they want to find it so badly that they're seeing it, yeah. Yeah, you can walk up on a hog, not see it, you know, or if you see it, something black running through the bushes, and it's going to be barreling off away from you 
if you're looking for Bigfoot, that's probably going to be a Bigfoot to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just it's kind of the way I see it. It's hard to be objective. Uh, it's hard for anybody to be objective. We're, we're all so uh, we have our own biases and everything. So it's not it's not a dig on anybody that does that. It's just understandable that a lot of the things that in pe- evidence that people find um, it's because that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's like that uh, investigating the paranormal too. Some people want to find ghosts so badly that um, every uh, bump in the night is a ghost, and and in fact it's not. Right. But same thing. Um, but do you find if what do you think would have happened if you would have shot the creature and you would have killed it? Um, what do you think you would have done with it? Or have you ever thought of I don't that? think I don't think we'd be talking right now. I don't think I would have survived the rest of them. Yeah. Just from what I just from what I found out. See, at the time, I didn't know anything. And if I mm-hmm. would have had my rifle, my seven mag, I'd have shot him right between the eyes, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But I have my shotgun. I wasn't sure that what I had was going to kill him from that distance. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he was going to have to get closer. So, but I didn't know anything at all about them. Knowing what I know now and what I believe happens whenever people shoot at them, uh, I, I think they retaliate immediately. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's uh, a bad thing. So I think if I would have shot one now, if I were to run into a body in the woods, I would go live on YouTube right then mm. and, and start filming. At least yep. somebody would get to see it. You know, if there is an agency or whatever out there actively keeping this thing hidden, which seems to be, uh, the case it, it would some, they exist while we don't have a body or evidence of them there's a reason for that so is it just is it just pure dumb luck on their part that it that it hasn't happened or is there someone taking care of these things when they happen mm-hmm. you know you hear stories of people having these bodies and then these these black vehicles show up and take it away from you and then threaten threaten you and your family and all these i've heard several stories like this um but that's what I would do. Go live on YouTube right then just so someone would, would see what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would mess with its face and lips and show that it was a real creature, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, depending on how big it was, I would try to get it out of there. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad it was uh, a peaceful encounter, not like some of the stories that we've heard where they were uh, uh, not so friendly. But... Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, he was mad. He was mad. Yeah. No doubt he was mad. He, he was he was letting me know I was doing something wrong. I believe that wholeheartedly. But yeah, they let me out of there. They let me leave. I don't think these creatures are grounded in morality one way or the other. I think it's all about survival. <laughs> I don't think they're just going to kill you on a whim because they're evil. And I'll, I, on the other hand, I don't think they're, they're necessarily good in any sense. I think everything is uh, about surviving. And if uh, killing you... Um, has nothing to do with that. At all. They're, they're just not going to do it. I think they'll warn you. I mm-hmm. think they do like tree knocks. I heard knocking out there continuously. And I, and I don't think that was for me. I think that was them communicating with each other. But I would. But what I didn't put together about the whole thing is the way the knocks would happen. You know, they would be five loud knocks 200 yards away that I'm thinking of somebody at their house hammering on something and they would quit. Mm-hmm. And then 10, 15 minutes later, here's two more way back behind me back there, you know, just, but it, I heard it at two o'clock in the morning out there, the knocks, but, and, and 
I, I even I rationalized this way when that happened because it was it was two knocks you know, from two different places. Um, one way off, four or five hundred yards away was just but it, but they were loud and there was five or six of them just pow 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 rhythmic, mm-hmm. you know. And then thirty seconds later, way off behind me, another few hundred yards away, a little closer though, I heard it again. And this was late, late one night. And, uh, and in my mind, I'm thinking the, the deer, the bucks are out They're They're hitting on bamboo because there was bamboo patches out there. That's, that's what went through my head at the time is, and I even told people that after that, yeah, well, bucks, they'll come out early in the morning and hit on bamboo because <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard it. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it, it's your experiences and, and how you rationalize things away. You know, why, why would anybody think anything else? That's just like when I saw the thing, it was, it looked like a black dude to me, made perfect mm-hmm. sense. I, if I'd have been anywhere else, I would probably have been clued into what it was a lot sooner. But because of where I was, the property I was on, as soon as I saw him, I was convinced that it was a black man. Yeah. So how many times have these creatures been seen in the woods or at a distance and, and been mistaken for somebody? You know, I don't think they're all eight feet tall and a thousand pounds. Um, I think there's plenty of them out there that are just maybe just a little bit bigger, more robust than a regular person, but not that big, you know. I'm really happy that uh, even I think even if you uh, shot a warning shot, that probably would have set things off, too. Yeah, well, you know, I I was worried about actually pointing my gun at him Mm -hmm. because I didn't point my gun. I was ready, but I didn't want to point my gun at him because I knew instantly i knew he knew there was something not right about that gun mm-hmm. as soon as i moved my hand he went he got upset about it and well they had been watching me out there shoot deer for seven years so obviously they knew that that yeah. long black stick thing that i had was loud and and killed so i think they were able to put that much of it together but i had a different gun then too i didn't have my rifle with me so maybe they didn't even notice that i think they do watch us that closely I think they know our notions and our tendencies and, and they can fool us so easily. Magicians do it to us all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that they do. Well, um, do you have any final thoughts, Cam, or questions for Carrie? No, I, you know, I've heard Carrie's story two or three times. And uh, matter of fact, I'm working on a written form of it right now and uh, writing his story it's quite extensive and uh, we should have that out pretty soon Thanks. on his channel mm-hmm. but um no yeah, i don't man. have any questions i'm just glad to be glad glad to be on the same connection with him he's a he's a great guy you both are well thank you and i'm really thankful that you both have um shows that let people know that they're if they've had encounters like this that they're not alone and i think that helps an awful lot of people mentally to know that it's okay that you've seen something that you can't rationalize but you're not the only one so kudos to you guys well thanks it's been uh, it's been great being here certainly do appreciate you having me on well, I appreciate you being here. Um, I, as usual, I in the um, show notes when this gets released, I will add uh, links to where they can find you. But did you want to mention Carrie where uh, where they can find you again? Uh, or you can <clears throat> visit our website, bigfootodyssey.us. You can find us on Facebook, Bigfoot Odyssey. 
um, on YouTube, Bigfoot Odyssey, and The Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, The Shudder. Perfect. If you want the sto- if you want the stories. Yep. And uh, Cam's been on before, but uh, Dixie Cryptid, check him out on YouTube. So thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. You're welcome. Loved it. As did I. You guys take care. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 